Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. My name is Al, and I'm here with my best friend in the whole world, D. Hi, I'm here. You're here. And I'm, I just took a big poop. Oh God, Christ. <laughs> and you know that zen you feel? Yeah, I do. I got that. You gotta love it. My guts are nice and clear. <laughs> My sphincter has been nicely worked, and I'm sitting here in the hot, hot heat. But I'm, I'm feel like I've in a, I'm, I'm in another spiritual plane. Is what Sometimes I'm saying. Sometimes in the afternoon, I get so sleepy. Yeah. Um, and I think I need a nap. But yeah. what I actually need is to lie down for 20 minutes and then take a shit. <laughs> body is preparing it's getting ready it's getting (laughs) get ready hold on we gotta move things forward and this is gonna take a lot so you're gonna have to sit down for about 20 minutes this is gonna take some energy you're gonna need to lie down it's like cocking a gun (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway that's where i'm at this episode good to know (laughs) well Happy June, friends. Happy June. Oh, yeah, it's Foon June. It's Foon June. Um, which is after Despicable May is over, we get yeah. to loosen up and have some Foon in June. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? I love it. <laughs> we're having some Foon in June. Folks, we're having some Foon. Are you going to, are we going to have fun today? We're going to have fun. I think we're going to have a little fun. Okay. I'm, well, I'm primed and ready for fun. Okay. My bowels are empty. You're prepped for fun. I'm ready for, spe- you know what? <laughs> I feel faster now. I'm not as weighed down. Optimize. Lightweight. <laughs> Drop two pounds automatically. <sighs> wow. Okay. Wow. Look, I'm a kid with slow bowel syndrome, so every poop is a win for me. <laughs> I wish that were me. <laughs> we have the opposite. We do. Maybe that's why we're fast such- bowel syndrome. Maybe that's why we're such good friends. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you. I love when you ask me a question. Can you name something, comma, Mm -hmm. anything (laughs) that happened in 1972? Um, (laughs) MASH was on the air. 1972 is the year that MASH began airing. (gasps) Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. that Is that the answer to the question? No, I'm going to tell you a bunch of things. Oh, oh, oh. But I was just wondering if you knew any of them. That MASH started. (laughs) Yeah. I knew it. You did it. Well, how did I do that? It's the poop. Know. It cleansed everything. <laughs> wow. The fact was lodged in there. Well, I've had mush brain. Yeah. And just from A, probably long COVID, and B, being a fucking himbo, um, <laughs> who my now my goal in life is to get dumber and hotter. Oh, that's all we need to do. <laughs> Sometimes facts come into my brain, yeah. and I don't know where they came from. But maybe it's just like everything got unlodged and everything's kind of straightened out. Yeah, you've kind of just aligned things within yourself. I don't know big periods of my childhood, but I do know facts about television. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you need. Wow. this show? Come on. Anyway, I won. (laughs) I won a fact. You won. Maybe that's the first time you've answered. No, you've answered other ones correctly. I don't think so. (laughs) Roll back the tape. (laughs) What else happened in 72? 1972 was a year of endings and beginnings. Okay. In some ways, this period of late 60s, early 70s American culture felt like the beginnings of our modern era. Yeah. That year saw the last draft lottery and the last withdrawal of ground troops for the Vietnam War. Oh, I should have said that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was also in my head, yeah. but MASH was first. Well, they're related, you know. They are related. And uh, despite continued bombing campaigns, it heralded an, a tentative movement towards an end to the conflict. Okay. So it's not over, but it's moving towards moving being towards. over, maybe. We're depending. thinking about it. Depending who you ask. Yeah. Don't ask Kissinger. I was just going to say. <laughs> you cannot ask Kissinger. Unless you ask him with a redacted. <laughs> and while the war or was... with a knife. That was what I redacted. Oh. <laughs> so it wasn't an actionable Damn. threat. Oh, I mean, you know, you're cutting a cake for him. Yes. For his 100th birthday that's coming up. And Marilyn Monroe is in. Oh, you slipped. <laughs> Can I, t- I have to tell you. Yeah. Because I've thought about this the number of times that Marilyn Monroe has come up on this podcast. But to me, you know how we say that people have T-boy swag? Yeah. Marilyn Monroe, for me, is the person who is, like, the most trans woman coded I was going to say the doll. Yeah, yeah, she is the doll. She has doll swag. She has doll swag because it's this oh, thing of, yeah. like, she was so intelligent and funny and interesting and, and there were so many cool things about her. But yeah. all people focused on was her ability to, to perform femininity, to perform femininity yeah. which was, like, such a small fraction of who she really was. And her performance is so ingrained in gender culture now. Yes, absolutely. Right? And she probably hates that or yeah. hated that. That's pro- well, yeah. Probably would hate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, yeah, doll swag. She has doll swag, in she my has opinion. Big doll swag. Obviously, I defer to the dolls on this. But, Absolutely, um, we are not. That's just sort of how I feel. Please, if you're a doll, please, please confirm, deny. <laughs> <laughs> you're all Marilyn in our eyes. Yeah, you're all you're all Marilyn. <laughs> hey, T for T in twenty three. Yeah, T for T in twenty three. That's mm-hmm, what we're saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So while the war was ending. Mm. 1972 also heralded many fresh starts. Yeah. It was the debut year for the Main Street Electrical Parade in Disneyland. <gasps> with the little snail. <laughs> Dude, with the, the, the Baroque, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Well, you'd know more than me. <laughs> uh, they have a really cool soundtrack, and then they got a little snail that fucking slides around. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so good. It also saw the opening of the first Popeye's restaurant. Oh. Yeah. I always wonder... Is it Popeye's based on the character? I don't know this. We should add creeps this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I don't know. I don't know. It was also the year that Richard Nixon officially launched the space shuttle program and signed Title IX into law. <laughs> <laughs> Two not connected. Or maybe connected. <laughs> not connected for a few years. Not until Sally Ride got on the scene, oh, you boy. know? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Atari also released their first video game, Pong. Oh, okay. So Pong was there. Wow, Pong was there. Yeah, Pong's there. It's a party. <laughs> it's a party. And in trans history, yeah. the events that inspired the film Dog Day Afternoon transpired oh. in Gravesend, Brooklyn. <gasps> Hell yeah. <laughs> the world's best husband. Yeah. But not all of the new beginnings were positive. As their service came to an end, many Vietnam War veterans began to find that this new era of American life had no place for them, facing homelessness, post-traumatic stress disorder, and withdrawal from the stimulants provided by the Army. Now, Al, you did say this is Foon June. It's Foon June. But we gotta add some Vietnam War vets in there. If, if we're talking about 1972, I'm not gonna ignore my yeah, voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> when Al says Furda, it means specifically Vietnam War veterans. <laughs> And this is going to be a through line <laughs> that we're going to continue all summer. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 1972 yeah. was also the worst year to date for airplane incidents. 
Uh, now, okay, are we gonna get into some like Buckwild uh, 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 air? Uh, what's it? Hijacking? We're gonna talk about some things. Oh yeah! <laughs> I love a '70s air jacking. It was the time, folks. And also a jacking in the air. It was also the time, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Boy, they, you could do anything on an airplane back then. Yeah. Wow. Around the world, 2,373 people were killed in aviation accidents that year. Foon June! Foon June! <laughs> and the years from 1968 to 1972 were known as the golden age of aircraft hijackings. Hell yes! Let's hijack some airplanes! I am obsessed with 70s airplane. Really? Yes. I just love the idea, like... Anyone could get on a fucking plane and That's be like, "That's the thing. We're we're not. Hey, we're going to Havana, baby. Like we're going to Cuba. Take me to Cuba. We're going to Cuba. And I, you know what? And and it wasn't like I'm going to crash this plane. It's just you're you're. It wasn't like inconveniencing. A, yes, yes. It wasn't a terrorist attack. It was just everyone felt inconvenienced. I need some money. <laughs> well, that's why I mentioned the vets because there were vets who did air hijacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They were disenfranchised. They they had given everything to the country. So just fucking take an aircraft. Yeah. Get some money. Get up there. Get some money. Fly to Brazil. And you might be talking about this, but, like, airlines back then had, like, insurance specifically for this. Oh, yeah, they did. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. So, yeah, in this golden age, like, there were so many D.B. Cooper copycats. Oh, my God. uh, And and desperate skyjackers that tried to commandeer planes at 36,000 feet. This is... You know how we were obsessed for a time about kidnapping. Yes. This, this is, is a new kidnapping. Yeah. We're going to take a baby up. And- <laughs> the baby's got a gun. The ba- <laughs> and is an airplane. You take that baby into the cockpit to give him the little wings and say, you flew the plane. <laughs> He's got a gun. <laughs> he does want money. <laughs> Don't turn this plane around. Take me to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> take me to Havana. <laughs> oh my god. I love Baby Hijacker. Yeah, me too. That's a new TV show we need to write. Oh, yeah. We're not going to be scaps, though. No, no. no we're no, going to no, wait no, until no. the we'll strike wait, ends, we'll and then we'll pitch it. But then pitch it, yes. <laughs> At a Senate hearing in 1968, Irving Rip of the Federal Aviation <laughs> <laughs> Agency. It's a great name. Great name. Irving Rip. Rip. That's a trans guy's name, if I've oh, ever heard yeah. one. He fucking smokes so much. Yeah. <laughs> so he stated that uh, the ongoing hijacking issue was, quote, an impossible problem short of searching every passenger. Why would we do that? Yes. What are we supposed to do? Get them to go into a little machine that tells us if they have a cock and balls? <laughs> We would never. A two-button machine. Everyone's going to be placed in those two. Did I tell you I got buttoned wrong you last did. night? <laughs> I wasn't even, like, I didn't even have a binder on or anything, but they pressed the wrong button for me, and boy, did they clock my big naturals. <laughs> And was like, oh, you got some, are you carrying anything in your front pocket, they asked me. And both the uh, F, uh, the, the agent and I looked down, seeing that I did not have any front pockets. <laughs> and then the agent said, oh, can you go back? And then they pushed the other button. Oh. <laughs> I, I do enjoy how um, on a podcast that I listen to, Well, There's Your Problem, yeah. Alice Caldwell Kelly uh, calls these the tranny detectives. <laughs> Which I find very amusing. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, just just like gender 
the issues with the the two button system not not looking at that but could you imagine being the asked being that tsa agent asking to clock everyone who walks through you gotta clock these guys we gotta know that's that's fucking ridiculously hard ridiculous but thanks to the tranny detector (laughs) we're no longer in the golden age of hijackings (laughs) so who's the real victim you know all you're, all you're detecting is there's some dolls who were smuggling some cock in there. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Oh, my God. Give uh, me a third button. The FAA asked the American people for ideas on how to reverse the dangerous trend. And responses included what? such gems as install trap doors outside the cockpit. Play the Cuban national anthem before takeoff and arrest anyone who knows the words. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. And have all passengers wear boxing gloves so they cannot hold a gun. Oh, you couldn't open up your pack of peanuts, though. You're not getting in those peanuts, bud. <laughs> With your mouth. Oh, but I like that idea, though. <laughs> it's very funny. I think, I think I'm think i surprised that the airlines didn't do that because they love to make us uncomfortable. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> Wow. How could okay, let's 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 blue sky this. Yeah. How could we solve the issue? No babies. Just no babies. Because they're the ones doing it. <laughs> I okay, I'm gonna reverse it. Only babies. Only babies. No one else can fly. <sighs> Take a fucking train. You Take plebs. a train. Take a train. But babies Across the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to propose a bridge. <laughs> It's a hell of a long one. The transatlantic bridge in that it is built and for trans people <laughs> to get out of, well, you, both ways. Actually, be, both ways ooh, are bad. We'll meet in the middle of the Atlantic. We'll make a new society. <laughs> I'll meet you in Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> the final straw that convinced the government to take the issue more seriously was the be? hijacking of a Southern Airlines flight in 1972 by three men who threatened to fly the plane into the atomic reactor at the heart of Oak Ridge <gasps> National Laboratory in Tennessee. Oh, shit. I don't know about this one. Pretty wild. Wow. While the X-10 graphite reactor at lab had been decommissioned nine years earlier, the high-flux isotope reactor running on enriched uranium was still active, as it is today, and includes a... G- <laughs> and you know what? We'll be continually active for the end of time, because that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, It includes a gamma irradiation pool where the spent fuel rods can be used for experimentation. (laughs) What are they experimenting on? Sexually. Oh. (laughs) You know, sometimes. They're just like, hey, how irradiated can I get this thing? (laughs) Sometimes you gotta experiment in bed. And sometimes that means having an isotopic rod that you just have in your bedside. Baby, I I want you to fold my proteins any way you want. Oh my god. The men demanded a ransom of $10 million and ultimately came within 8,000 feet of the reactor. Oh, my God. Though all facilities at Oak Ridge had been shut down as a precaution. Uh, so the crew and They're the... They're just pa- shoveling isotopes out of there. <laughs> get them out. 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 <laughs> so the, the crew and the passengers of the aircraft were ultimately safe from the effects of radiation. What do you mean? Well, because it didn't crash into... Oh, them. it didn't crash. Okay, okay. Or, what happened to it, then? Oh, okay. So, um... The guys were like, oh, take us to Cuba then. With Give us the money and take it's us to Cuba. It's always fucking Cuba. So they went to Cuba, and for the first time ever, Cuba was like, no. Not these guys. Not these guys. We'll take your other guys. Uh, so, so what do they do? 
they flew back to Florida. No, that's embarrassing. Where FBI snipers shot, or <laughs> I think they shot at the wheels of the plane, which made the hijackers shoot the pilot in the arm. So they flew back to Cuba. And they're like, this time, buddy, we gotta... You gotta let us out. gotta let us out. And then I think Cuba um, put the hijackers in jail, gave the money back to the U.S., and then the hijackers, after like nine years in jail in Cuba, were extradited back to the U.S. for another like 20 years of jail. That's embarrassing. It is. It's really embarrassing. embarrassing. If Cuba doesn't take you, that's a real boy. But importantly, the flight crew was not irradiated. Or were they... What? <laughs> Did you know that air crews have the highest yearly radiation dose on average out of all radiation-exposed workers in the U.S.? Where is it coming from? Pilots and flight attendants receive an estimated annual dose of three millisieverts, more than x-ray technicians and nuclear power workers. Cosmic ionizing radiation. In the sky? Because mm-hmm. you're close to the sun? From space. Oh my god. Cosmic ionizing radiation is a high energy form of radiation that is generated in outer space. It comes from two sources, constantly from the galaxy and intermittently from the sun. Ow. Mm-hmm. I just I think I popped a gasket. <laughs> oh my god, they're like closer to space so they get radiated. Yeah. Ah. Like but like in a like is there medical like issues oh, that we'll talk I'm, I'm about to get there uh, this is foon june yeah it's foon june <laughs> yeah, okay so it's foon june but I'm, this is this is foon to me <laughs> no it's foon to me too it's you know it's all foon to me baby it's all foon to it's me it's foon all the way down oh my god this is a fact that is going to be kept in my brain forever. And this yeah. is why we do ad creeps. Yeah. Because we find a little a little morsel. And we're, we're like, ooh. ooh, I like you. We like you. <laughs> this fact, this fact I can tell people at parties and then everyone will abandon me and I'll pet the dog. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, you got to have one of those <laughs> in your pocket at I all times. I have so many of them. <laughs> Thanks to this podcast. So everyone receives some amount of this radiation just by living on Earth. Yeah. But the dose increases with altitude. Wow. Those who spend more time at higher altitudes more frequently will receive a much higher dose than the general public. And that amount will change based on the flight path, especially polar routes. Is it more in the polar routes, right? Yeah, you get more in the polar routes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you'll get a greater dose flying from Bangkok to New York than you will from Singapore to London. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. had to watch you do the math. Yeah. <laughs> My, I'm. Tr- you know how people turn an apple in their head? <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm flying planes along the globe in my head You're and rotating it, the earth. Fucking! I felt like I was doing that for ten minutes. Oh my god. Okay. <sighs> Gee. So those guys on the International Space Station. Yeah. What. Are they... I mean, I assume they... They have led, probably... I think they also do a lot more research into cosmic radiation effects on, like, people in space than they do in just in planes. Okay. Wow. Boy. According to the International Atomic Energy Agency, or the oh. IAEA... 
Around 10% of all radiation exposure to the pubic comes from cosmic radiation, but I think they made a typo in their info sheet. Do they pubic? I think they meant to say public. No, it's just right to the crotch. It goes right there. (laughs) It's weird. It's weird, man. This radiation doesn't act like any other radiation. It goes straight to your junk. (laughs) It gets right in there. Oh, then you get Hulk powers in your dick and balls. And you get a big green hog. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Sign me right up there <laughs> wow can you imagine oh. flying from new york to bangkok and then taking a piss and looking down and you got a hog dick you got a couple more inches on you <laughs> more than a couple <laughs> so we don't actually know what level of cosmic radiation is safe for humans uh and as a result there aren't any official limits on the amount an air crew member can receive in a year <laughs> Oh, no. Epidemiological studies have observed higher rates of some specific cancers in air crews as compared to the general public, but a a causal link with cosmic radiation has yet to be established. Look, look, our doctors are busy. (laughs) We got a lot of other things going on. Oh, my God. What did it say? What kind of cancers that are more prevalent? It had a list of them, but I didn't write them down. But this will be in my sources. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm. If you want to know what's happening to your pubic. (laughs) (laughs) And I do. And I do. And I do. Mm. But for air crews in the 60s and 70s, there were much more pressing issues at hand. Uh In her seminal 1983 text, The Managed Heart, Arlie Russell Hochschild coins the term emotional labor and discusses it using air hostesses as a specific example of how corporations' management of feeling and emotional presentation can affect workers. Yes. Yes. She says, when rules about how to feel and how to express feeling are set by management, when workers have weaker rights to courtesy than customers do, when deep and surface acting are forms of labor to be sold, and when private capacities for empathy and warmth are put to corporate uses, what happens to the way a person relates to her feelings or her face? Yeah, absolutely. So this origin of discussion around emotional labor was... I that came from here. Yeah, so it was really... Well, she talks about a lot of different examples, but air hostesses are one of them. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a conception of emotional labor very rooted in the labor movement. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of the discussion around the concept nowadays is in a more social space. But her original conception of it was as part of how workers are, you know, manipulated and and, and um, sold by the corporations that they work for. Yes. And especially at that time where a lot of stewards were women. Yes. So, and then they were like told to care for the passengers mm-hmm. when the passengers are like fucking belligerent. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, I noticed that the emotional labor and the, the, the put on a smile is very prevalent in North America. Mm-hmm. When you take a European airline, they don't give a fuck about you. I love that. When I, alone. I was flying to Copenhagen and the steward we had, she just, just like, don't ask me questions. Yeah. I'm here to make sure everyone gets their meal. Don't look at me. Don't talk at me. Don't. And it was fantastic. This is what I like. This is what I like. She was just doing her fucking job. And her job is not to take care of passengers. Her job is to make sure no one fucking dies in the air. Yeah. <laughs> but this, like, this culture that we have here with um, flight attendants. Yes. It was really built in this, like, 70s jet wow. age. Yeah, absolutely. The Pan Am. Pan Am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so flight attendants interviewed by Hawkschild describe the feeling that the airplane is their living room and that their job is to make their guests feel comfortable. Oh. One interviewee explains, what passengers want is real people. They're tired of that empty, pretty young face. 
Okay. <laughs> but for a long time, an empty, pretty young face is exactly what airline companies advertise. Yes. Hawkschild points out that Delta sells Southern womanhood by encouraging trainee attendants to think of themselves not as selling service, but as selling themselves. Oh my God. By thinking of themselves as self-employed, as selling themselves, they can turn a better profit for the companies that they are actually selling. <laughs> And then we can pay you like you're self-employed, like we do Uber and stuff. Yeah. This is fascinating. So this personalization of sales puts a greater emphasis on how they use their smiles and their personalities, mm. commodifying them in the interest of a profit that ultimately won't land in their uniform's pockets. This makes me feel a lot, and I can only equate to the jobs that I have had. Yeah. In, in that, like, when you're a teacher and you're with little kids, you always have to put on a smile. Yeah. You always have to have that caring, soft voice. You can't be very negative with them, that sort of thing. But they're kids. They're kids. You're doing this to fucking adults. Yeah. Who are fucking belligerent and awful. Like, who just expect you to know everything that they want. And can be violent. Yes. Oh, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. No. Speaking of pockets, Mm -hmm. if you were a hostess with Braniff International Airways in the 1960s... What's what's that airline? Braniff? Braniff. I've never heard. Then those pockets had been designed by Emilio Pucci. (laughs) Okay. You know Pucci? No, I don't know. He's like a famous Italian fashion designer. He was with Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah, he had to go to his home planet. (laughs) I don't know a lot of symptoms references, but I do know that one. (laughs) Founded initially as a flight school in 1926 by Paul Revere Braniff. Okay. The company had a turbulent first 40 years. That's funny. Yeah, because it's a plane. They do planes. Yeah. really good. (laughs) You should be a writer. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) Thanks. But in 1964, freshly purchased by Troy Post of Great America, Braniff sought to capture the growth that the jet age had provided for their competitors. Mm. Hiring Harding Lawrence, executive vice president of Continental Airlines, advertising executive Mary Wells. Oh, Mary Wells. We know her. We know her. Yeah. Architect and textile designer Alexander Gerard and famed Italian fashion designer Emilio Pucci. Who went back to his home planet. Such a fucking good name. The airline dove headfirst into a full rebranding that captured the world's attention. Alexander Gerard, I just want to side note, is a very cool guy. Yeah. Uh, He did the interior design for the original conversation pit in the Miller House. No. Yeah. The famous conversation pit. I love a conversation pit. You gotta. Because you know how many fucking drunk ass 70s people tripped in the conversation pit? Oh, yeah. Just fell on their ass? I love a conversation so pit. So they were, yeah, he designed like all wow. the textiles and everything that were in there, oh. the couch. Very cool. Oh, so cool. It's the platonic ideal of a conversation it pit. It is, it is, it is. You get in the pit. Get in the, meet me in the pit, and we're going to get comfy, and we're going to talk about our feelings. With cocktails in our hands. Because we need the alcohol to have the conversation. <laughs> so the, the overhaul was known as the end of the plane plane. Okay. And it involved painting each of Braniff's planes in a solid color out of several chosen by Gerard, including beige, ochre, orange, turquoise, baby blue, medium blue, lemon yellow, and lavender slash periwinkle blue. Those are the most 70 colors. Most 70s ass colors. Fucking. Crochet those into a blanket. Oh my God. Those are granny squares, baby. Ochre and beige. I would not. Yeah. Mm. They um they actually the the lavender color they discontinued after about a month because it is a a color shared by the witch moth, which is uh, a, a a sign of bad luck in Mexican mythology. 
witch moth? The witch moth. What's that? It's like a moth that, that's what it's called. So it's lavender, it's and it was the color of this moth. The moth has lavender on it, yeah. And so that was bad, and it's bad luck. Oh. And they were, you know, the, this. I thought you were going to say it was like the lavender menace, the lavender no. scare. This airline was based out of Dallas, so oh, they had a lot okay. of. So you had a lot of intercontinental. Yeah, and a lot of like Southwest passengers. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Interesting. Ooh, that would be like if you went on a plane and it's like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. I'll wait for another plane. Yeah. Oh, I like the idea of like going on something and like, oh, what plane color do I get today? Well, people would book their plane specifically because of the the, color? For the color that they wanted, yeah. That's fantastic. Because there's certain like lucky colors in different cultures. Wow, yeah. Okay. So along with the actual color of the planes, Gerard redesigned plane interiors, waiting (gasps) areas, terminal clubs, and equipment down to ticket counters and sugar packets, making it bright and colorful. I love this. It looks very cool love this it was aesthetically pleasing yeah um is this i know in was it la they had a pan am like pop-up where it was that like it was waiting rooms with that aesthetic oh. the 70s like airplane aesthetic yeah it just looked really cool and there was a pan am hotel was that too? A, a, around when they did the tv show pan am oh i don't know that's a good question oh, i don't know oh man yeah. is this the commercials we're going to be seeing it's for this air. It's oh, this era. right. So Gerard, yeah, Gerard made it look bright and colorful, uh, but the focus of Mary Wells' marketing campaign was focused on the women whose labor would make or break the endeavor. Oh. Using space-age inspiration, Emilio Pucci designed outfits for the air hostesses <gasps> that consisted of multiple layers to be removed throughout different stages of the flight. What? In the Super Bowl commercial made by the airline that focused on this process, it was dubbed the Air Strip. Emphasizing how the attendants would be removing clothing throughout the flight. And this was a selling point? Yep. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. Like, I thought it was like, I at first I'm like, oh yeah, you could see how long your flight was with how dressed or undressed your steward was. But then at the same point, like, oh no, this is like sex sells, baby. Yeah. So this commercial, which we're not going to watch because there's no good quality of oh. it. Uh, it basically is, you see the woman in like the initial outfit and then throughout the commercial, she does the air strip. She wow. takes off these white piece and there's a voiceover saying, when she serves you your coffee, she'll be dressed like this. <gasps> when she serves you your dinner. She'll be dressed like this. No. Yeah. Does she have a neckerchief? Do they have a Oh, you know it, baby. I, okay. Can I make just a call? Yeah. Call shot? I want to get into neckerchiefs this summer. I think you should. I think it's, I think it's good and I like it a lot. I honestly am very into the gay neckerchief look. I've been seeing it across social media of these beautiful trans men, these fucking gorgeous ass trans men with a neckerchief. And I'm like, oh, I'm there. We got to get into it. We got to Fred this thing, man. Oh. <laughs> It's just us two Freds. Two Freds. Two, two Scoobs becoming Fred. We're not Shaggy. The Scoob to Fred pipeline. <laughs> we ain't Shaggy, friends. We're Scoobs. For me, I think it's actually more the uh, the Velma to Fred pipeline. <laughs> no, we said you were uh, the Lisa to Millhouse pipeline. Yeah, that also. That was the best descriptor of you <laughs> and your Holsteins I've ever felt in my bones. Incredible. <laughs> the outfits made by Pucci also included a plastic bubble dome that the women could wear between the terminal and plane so as to not mess up their hair. Around their head, like, a, like, a, like an astronaut. Yes, just like the little one they put on cats so they don't bite when they're getting <sighs> groomed. 
What? Okay, wait. You you put a little space astronaut little helmet on cats? Oh, yeah, they do. That's so smart. Because otherwise you get bit. You know what they do with dogs? <laughs> what? They put them in a hammock and they cut four holes so their feet oh. stick out so they can't get you, but their legs are dangling and then you can cut their nails really good. I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. The campaign was a massive hit, shifting the ground for airline marketing and forcing other companies to compete at Braniff's level. People flew Braniff just to see the hostess's airstrip. And uh, like I said, some even chose their route based on the color of plane they wanted to fly in. I mean, I would. Yeah. For Mary Wells, it proved her worth as a woman in advertising. After being told that she deserved to be president of her firm, Jack Tinker and Partners, but that the world wasn't ready for a woman to be president of a company, she left and started her own yeah. firm. Yes, Mary. Yes, Mary. Yes, Mary. Her, she has a, I think we mentioned it before, she has a wonderful book about yeah. her. Uh, she's the one who did the New York, New York Yes, ads. yeah. Um, she's Canadian. Yep. Um, I highly recommend her book. Fantastic. She, very interesting woman, yeah. yeah. Uh, so her fr- firm that she started was called Wells Rich Green, yeah. and they went on to create cultural touchstones and campaigns like I Heart New York, yeah. along with Plop Plop Fizz Fizz. Yes. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Trust the Midas Touch. Ooh. And Flick Your Bick. Okay, well, <laughs> we're going to have to get into that one. Flick Your Bick. We're going to have to get into that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been doing 24-7, brother. Oh, hey. <laughs> I love that you turn into Macho Man when you talk about it. <laughs> and can I say, when I do jerk off, I do turn into Macho Man Randy Savage. As we all do. <laughs> it's just animal Sort of a side effect of the testosterone. <laughs> I grow hair on my palms. <laughs> I say brother a lot. <laughs> I say brother a lot. Hmm. Now, I thought about showing you the Airstrip commercial, but as I mentioned, the quality is dog shit. Well, you have that in your The link will be in there if you watch it, but, you know, the sound's not going to work for our Uh, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're professionals. We're professionals. Yeah. But luckily, Braniff created a line of commercials featuring celebrities of the time. (gasps) And I'm going to show you one that throws together two unlikely travelers. I'm so excited. Andy Warhol. Oh, my God. And Sonny Liston. Oh, my God. Do you know who Sonny Liston is? Who is Sonny Liston? So I was only familiar with Sonny Liston in the Mountain Goats lyrics. Sonny Liston rubs some tiger bomb into his glove. Some things you do for money and some you do for love, love, love. You're fucking... <laughs> He's dweeb. <laughs> we can't have two jocks on this podcast. No, we cannot. We absolutely... And I am the jock. Who is it? So, a, a boxer? Yeah, Sonny Liston okay. was a boxer. Okay. Initially rising to fame for knocking out heavyweight champ Floyd Patterson in the first mm. round of their fight. Liston's physique was described by writer Gilbert Rogin as awesome. Arms like fence posts, <gasps> thighs like silos. This is my want ad <laughs> in, in Craigslist personals. A lot of people, President John F. Kennedy and the NAACP included, didn't want Liston to fight Patterson. And when he won his rematch against Patterson, the crowd booed. Was what? Why did they not want him? Because of his image, many feared that Liston's victory over Patterson would set the civil rights movement back. <laughs> so Liston basically had a, a characterization in the public eye that was like this amalgamation of all the negative things that racist white people said about black people. Oh. That was how he was depicted. Oh, my God. For a lot of African-Americans, he represented the culmination of those things that they didn't want to be perceived as. Oh, my God. He had a record. He worked for the mafia. He was illiterate. And he was seen as a vicious thug. 
The people who knew, and he, and, and and that was a something that was put onto him. Yeah, that was something that, that was yeah. like the people that knew him described him as a kind, gentle, loving, and intelligent man yeah. who cared fiercely for his wife and children. But that wasn't what sold papers. So we're making racist statements about you, yeah. and uh, we don't want you to fight and win because that our racism is going to get in the way of that. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Uh, White journalists used all kinds of racially charged language when they wrote about him. Really horrible stuff. Yeah. And the zenith of his career was in a time when the civil rights movement was just in full force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his first fight with Patterson was only six years after the Montgomery bus boycott in Alabama. And uh, the fight was the same year as the Ole Miss riot. Yeah. Once a young white journalist asked Liston why he wasn't down in the South fighting for civil rights, and he said, deadpan, I ain't got no dog-proof ass. (laughs) Which is incredible. I love him. I do love him. I, I do, do love, love him. him. Yes. So here he is in a commercial for the newly revamped Braniff Airlines, ignoring oh. Andy Warhol, who seems like someone I really would not want to sit next to on a plane. Like, okay, yeah, Andy, it's soup. I get it. <laughs> who serves soup on a plane anyways? <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's watch. So you can find this ad in our sources along with everything that I referenced to create this episode. And, uh, yeah. Let's do it. We'll return after these messages. Of course, remember, there's an inherent beauty in soup cans that Michelangelo could not have imagined existed. Talkative Andy Warhol and Gabby Sonny Liston always fly Braniff. They like our girls, they like our food, they like our style. And they like to be on time. Thanks for flying Braniff, fellas. When you got it, flaunt it. Braniff International. When you got it, flaunt it. Welcome back to the show. That is like putting matter and antimatter <laughs> in a small confined space. Is what happened. Yeah. Sonny is all of us. Sonny is <laughs> yeah. us. He, he sold that ad. I don't think Andy knew he was the, he knew the, he was the butt of the joke and he was trying for it, but in a way that we were laughing at him, like in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I like, feel like oh, if boy. I met Andy Worrell, I'd be like, you're the most annoying man I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about punchable faces. That man does have a punchable face. Yeah. And you know what? Sonny's the man to do it. <laughs> I love how you did not see the interior of, of the plane. You just saw two seats and these two men are sitting there. And then you saw the outside of the plane. And and there, I, I do like the, uh, if you got it, flaunt it. Yeah, that was which, a good tagline. That, is that, that's their tagline. Yeah. So they did this with, they paired up unlikely celebrities. Yeah. And that's the joke. I like it. I like it. But I don't like how much they talked about their girls. It was two words. Girls. They said the girls. The girls. Which, you know, that's how I refer to mine. But <laughs> you don't. They're gone. <laughs> I know, and I love them so much better now. The girls have never looked better. The girls of summer in that it's me in a tank top. <laughs> oh. Wow. That was a way to sell an airplane. I huh? know. Check out these gals. Check out these gals. They're taking their clothes off. Who would be? It's 2023. It's 2023. And guess what? It's bad in the airlines. It's bad taking a plane. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) It's also bad for the earth. It is bad. A, number one, bad for the earth. B, uh, um, the people who work in the airlines are so 
understaffed and overworked and everyone's angry all the time and sometimes your luggage gets lost and people don't know where it is and they're overworked and underpaid and so it's hard it's really hard and see the tranny detector (laughs) the aforementioned tranny detector i think we got to i think so they 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 disbanded i guess they're not around yeah they're not around anymore okay I think we're going to take a big swing. Okay. You know, uh, South, wait, which the one that fucking went bottled up? Was this Southwest Airlines? Oh, I don't know. There was a fucking Airlines that fucking shit the bed. <laughs> I think it was Southwest. Okay. Let's re- let's let's buy it. Let's buy it. It's branded Airline. Brandif Brandif. Airlines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to redo it. We're going to paint. It's just, here's the thing. I think if you went full 70s beautiful, like, airplane nostalgia, uh-huh. I think that's... I think people would. We should just do it. that now. We should just do that now. I think we should paint them all sky blue. But then they disappear in the sky. Yep. People can see them. Gone. Gone. Bye. I think. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think you should hire two different sets of people mm-hmm. to be your servers in the air. Okay. Number one, actual stewards whose job it is to keep everyone orderly and safe. Yes. Um, and fed. Number two. People who are there to keep you happy. Oh. This is where I'm going to hire, you know, the Thunder from Down Under boys. The Chippendale boys. <laughs> so you're just going to get some dancers. I'm going to get some dancers. I love it. I'm going to get some dancers, all genders. I don't want the girls. This is the new airstrip. This is the new... <gasps> it flies to Vegas. And baby, in 2023, it's thinner than ever before. Oh my god. <laughs> Could or you thicker. imagine? Very thick. Thin was the 2000s. So thick. It's so it thicker than before. So thick. Oh my oh, god. Oh, powerfully thick. Powerfully thick and hairy. Yes. On all everyone. Everybody. Everyone. I love the idea of, and I think this would sell. Yeah. You have your stewards who give you the 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 Biscoff cookies. Yeah. And your tea and your they coffee. They do the pointing dance. They do that. That's it. No, no, no dancing. They're not doing any emotional labor. Okay. They don't need to anymore. They're just pointing. They're just doing their fucking job in their contract. Okay. Okay? Then you hire are you, specifically... Are you mad at me? No. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> then you have specific people that you pay... Everyone's being paid much better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you can... you can If this is a dinner and a show in an airplane, you can charge a lot more. Mm-hmm. Then you have a show, and then you have people doing emotional labor for you, but it's for their eyes. <laughs> You just have... What I'm talking about is strippers in the air. Yes, but with labor rights. With la- with fucking labor rights. Yes. They're not contractors. Yes. They're being paid very well. And you know what? You can tip them at the end. And there's, you know, maybe some sort of, like, uh, complimentary mental health service to manage the emotional labor that you are producing. Oh, you don't get to talk to these people. <laughs> Okay. That's someone, that's a third hire. That's a third that's person a third that you person. talk to. That is the plane therapist. That's the plane. <laughs> We're going to put a, oh, that would be great. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes, absolutely. And the, our new airlines is, let's just strip, let's just strip, let's actually strip in the air. Okay. Let's actually do it, folks. If I'm, you know what? I, I get so anxious flying, but if I'm 36,000 feet in the air and I got a big doing just... <laughs> Swinging around my face, baby, I'm not worried about anything. 
And that's the damn truth. <laughs> that's funny because if you fly in the States, you can't take off your underwear. But you fly in Canada, you you <laughs> definitely can take those undies <laughs> off, baby. And there are dollars flying. You tip your staff. You have to. This is, and I like this. This is a, a, a culture of tipping, right? Yes. And people are like, yeah, tipping. But like in, in stripping, you have to tip. Like you tip. Yes. But then they also get they paid. They also get a wage. They also get a wage. A, a and livable benef- wage. And benefits. And fucking benefits. And we will charge. Your plane from Seattle to Las Vegas is going to cost you so much money. But here's the thing. Guess who's going to get on? Just the crypto bros, right? Oh. Right? God. They got money. But we'll take their fucking money. Yeah, we'll take their money. And what they can, they don't have to talk to our servers. They don't have to talk to our staff. They'll just like it and watch. It can be completely quiet. Yeah. They will like it and watch. They'll like it and watch. And then in the airport, you have privacy booths. For when you need to get off the when plane. When you get in, get off the plane and, and gush you know, your hummus. <laughs> anyway, that's my... And the commercial is... The commercial is... Um, I don't know. What celebrities do we have that we, Oh. Let's do Jimmy Fallon. Ugh, I know. Just putrid. A, a punchable face. Yes. And um, I'm trying to think of like a sportsman. Uh, Who does... Sports. <laughs> what about one of your little driving boys? We're gonna put we're gonna we're gonna put Daniel Ricardo, F one driver for uh, Red Bull, third third string. He doesn't have a seat, but we love him. He's sitting next to <laughs> he's sitting next to Jimmy Fallon, and Jimmy Fallon is the worst person. Yeah. He's talking. He's and and Daniel Ricardo is smiling, and because he that's all he does because he's beautiful and he smiles, and then and then Jimmy Fallon shuts up. Because it's showtime. Because it's showtime, baby. And we have everyone just do oons, 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 oons. And we get the oons. party lights going. We get the going. party lights going. They're stripping. And, like, everyone's happy. Yeah. And they're not even thinking about how the plane really shouldn't be in the air, both emotionally and physically. And uh, environmentally. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a third one, environmentally. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I love it. Love it. Let's do it. Let's ruin this earth. Let's salt and burn this bitch. Hell yeah. Wait, no. (laughs) Al, speaking of the earth. The earth. I have a local ad. Okay. It's from the UK. Interesting. Now, our track record with the UK is spicy. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at me accusingly. Well, I would say that one of us is spicier than the other <laughs> when it comes I like to this ad. cultural exchange. I don't want anything from them. <laughs> well, we want their we want their trans football team. We do want their trans football team. Okay. This is this is a UK ad mm-hmm. that is so popular that people wanted a spin-off show. Oh. It, it features the earth talking. Okay. And like the, in a horny way or well, like in a Well, okay. And the earth is one. Matthew Barry. Oh, are you ready? Yes. Okay, let's watch. New York City. New York City. You still filling your water with vulcanicity? And making it tasty for the ladies. George, so suave. Well, my birds do like a twist with their water. Your birds? You can't say that. My birds! They like a fruit flavor when they're hydrating. Look! Birds! Tasty water! Original! And sugar-free! 
Oh, this water is doublement delicious. I'm the daddy now! Volcano filtered, so it's full of volcanicity. Yes. Okay, UK, you're on notice. <laughs> well, first thing I'd like to ask. Yeah. For your water, yeah. why do you have flavors original and sugar-free? <laughs> why? Why? What's what's happening? What's happening? What's going, what's on, going over on, there? on over there? Are you okay? Like, uh, sometimes people's waters is bad, so they have to drink bottled water, but it ain't water. It's got sugar in it. It's got sugar in it. Water doesn't have sugar in it by, like, nature. <laughs> sometimes it's a spicy. Yeah. Sometimes it's a spicy water. But this one's lemon and sugar. <laughs> and sugar. So a lemonade. Oh, a lemonade. A volcanic lemonade. It was quite horny and also with a slight misogynistic bent that's kind of fun. <laughs> Just sort of like a light, fun, summery misogyny. <laughs> Just a light puppety. I do like the puppets. Yeah, the puppets are very good. I think they animated the volcano puppet in the way that Matt Berry's mouth moves. Yeah, yeah. Which was really good. Yeah. But also... <laughs> Come on, UK. Oh, I see. The table has turned, huh? We're trying to like you. We're trying. No. There are parts of you. (laughs) The trans parts. Yeah, Norwich. (laughs) Whatever's going on in there. Whatever's in the water over there. (laughs) Maybe, maybe the... We cracked it. The water of the UK makes you trans. (gasps) Okay, we gotta get it. We gotta get over there so we can get more trans. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're doing that. It's called HRT. Oh... If you have a horny local ad that features Matthew Barry, you need to send it to us at creeps at gmail.com. I know there's more. He does a lot of Yeah, there's got to be more. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram at ad creeps. And we have a coffee. It's a coffee. It's coffee.com slash ad creeps. Coffee? I don't know. Well, hey, write us. Which one is it? I don't know. I, I always say Kofi. Because like. it's spelled like Kofi Annan from the U.N., <laughs> Okay. If you don't... Okay. Your brain is mush. My brain is mush. It's very hot. My gaunch is swampy. <laughs> the back of my neck is sticky. Oh. Let's and get out of here. this is the end of the episode. Okay. Until next time, we are signing off. But first, word for my spouse. My gaunch! My gaunch!